want to start by doing something. I, I know this might not be all of your favorite thing in the world, but I want you to think about for a second. Uh, did, did you have a plan for your life, like thinking about, you know, when you were younger maybe, did you have a plan of something that you wanted to be or become, or, or maybe... Maybe your parents had a plan for your life. I want you to be thinking about that. Maybe share it with each other. If there was a plan, if your parents had a plan for you. I get the question all the time as a pastor with four sons. You know, are your sons going to become pastors? I'm always asked about my plan for my kids. So take a minute. Talk to each other. I'm going to invite Shane and Missy Stone to come up while you guys are talking. Go ahead. Talk to each other. Share the plans that you had for your life. So, hey, I wanted, real quick, I mean, you could take a break from that. I wanted to introduce you, I mean, that you, maybe a lot of you already know Shane and Missy, but I wanted to give you some really good news today, and that's that our church has decided to hire Shane onto our pastoral staff. They've been coming here for about a year and a half or so, and so would you welcome them? Shane, Shane and Missy have all sorts of experience in ministry from starting a church to children's ministry to tech to all these different things. And so we've been talking for quite a while and felt like it was the right thing uh, to bring him onto the pastoral staff. He's going to be leading our, our tech, leading all of that stuff, as well as being um, the, the chair of the daycare board and uh, leader of the properties and, and all of that stuff from a staff perspective and doing some things like that. So we're thrilled to have Shane on staff. Would you just welcome them again and you guys can go have a seat. I also want to say, um, Megan and I had the opportunity to, to go last week uh, to, to Cancun, to Mexico. It was pretty nice. The two of us got away and spent a week down there, and we, we got back and just started talking about how much we love where we live. And, and listen, that's a beautiful place. It was a really great time to, to be away with just Megan and I. But we got back and we just said, man, we are so thankful for the country li we live in. And so I want to say happy 4th of July to all of you. But I'm thankful um, just, just for the place that we live, for the freedom that we have here in our country. So if you're, I just want to take a second, if you're a veteran, would you just stand up? And we want to show our appreciation to you um, for serving our country and helping it become what it is. And so it's good to be back with you. I, I say this all the time. Uh, there's no better place in the world to be than right here. And, and I'm being serious when I say I wanted to be with you this morning. <laughs> I wanted to be with you and share God's word with you. And um, we, we went to Mexico for a week and I think I brought back something with me. And I got home yesterday evening and just started feeling really sick. And I gotta tell you, I'm here because I was praying all night. I was up all night long praying, God, would you please just give me the strength to get to go because I wanted to be here with you. I wanted to worship with you. And I wanted to look at God's word with you. And so there's no better place to be than right here. We're starting a new series today called More Like Jesus. And what we're really going to be talking about is holiness. And here's what I want to say to you up front. I ask you what your plans or your parents' plans were. As I said, people ask me all the time, do you want your, your sons to be pastors? Which ones will be pastors? And, and listen, I'm pretty sure that a few of them aren't going to be pastors. It's just pretty obvious at this point, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, 
but here's the thing. What we want for our kids is not about a profession. Uh, it's not about what car they're going to drive or what house they're going to live in. What we want for our kids is for them to be healthy, for them to be whole, but more than anything, we want them to follow Christ. And we're going to talk about God's plan. When we talk about holiness, when we talk about being more like Jesus, I want to talk to you about God's plan for your life. God's plan for your life is that you would be more like Jesus. Every single one of us is called to holiness, to Christ-likeness. Every person that's a believer that's following Jesus is called to be transformed, as we're going to see today, into his image. So, so in the Nazarene church, we are what's called a holiness church. And a holiness church is, it means that we believe in holiness. We don't believe that you just get saved and continue on living in darkness and sin that you have to continually be saved for. We believe that God wants to transform us to be holy, to be Christ-like. And we believe that you can be freed from the will to sin. So I, I want to read an article of faith. We have 16 articles of faith. I don't want to geek out too much on Nazarene stuff today. I know some of you maybe aren't that familiar with the Nazarene church, but there are 16 articles of faith. And article 10 is holiness and entire sanctification. It's like the article of faith in the church of the Nazarene. In fact, if you're coming up and you're a minister, you'd better know article 10. We're going to be looking through it over the next five weeks, but I'm going to start just today with the first paragraph. It says this, it says, we believe that sanctification is the work of God which transforms believers into the likeness of Christ. It is wrought by God's grace through the Holy Spirit in initial sanctification or regeneration, which is simultaneous with justification, and then entire sanctification and the continued perfecting work of the Holy Spirit culminating in glorification. In glorification, we are fully conformed to the image of the Son. Let me just, I know that's like theology stuff there. Let's talk about what that means. It means at some point you accept Christ as your Savior and you experience salvation and justification, that initial sanctification. But we in the church believe that there is a path of growth past that and that not only does God want to forgive you of your sins, but God wants to deliver you from a life of sinfulness. And that, that God wants you to get past that and live completely surrendered and completely devoted to him. And, and so the second part of that is entire sanctification. And we talk a lot about another term for this would be Christian perfection. And I think a lot of people stumble over the word perfection there. I want you to hear this. God's plan for each and every one of us is that we would be completely devoted completely surrendered and committed to him, and that we would live every breath of our lives for his glory. And so we believe that there is a moment where you can come to a place where you are delivered from the will to sin because your desire to honor God and glorify him transforms you. And then it talks about, the, the thing I love about this, sometimes we talk about entire sanctification and we think that's the end point, but that's not true. There's a continued work of perfection that's happening in your life. You're continuing to mature and grow, and one day you'll come to the place of glorification where you are fully conformed to the image of the Son of God. So, so here we are. Um, we believe in sanctification. The, God's plan for each and every one of us is to be transformed into the image of Christ. I, I wanna, listen, 
Thank you for coming to worship this morning. It's a big thing to come and worship God. But I want you to hear this, that God has a plan for every single one of us and that's to be transformed. It's more than just coming and singing. It's more than meeting people. God wants to do a transforming work in your heart and in your life and make you more like Jesus. So we're gonna be looking at Romans chapter eight, verse 28 to 30. And listen, this, this is a huge passage. There is a lot of theological stuff in here, and I just want to say we're going to focus on one main part of it, but, but I want to be faithful to the text, and there's some stuff in here that a lot of different churches have differences of opinion on, and so I want to be faithful to talk. I never want to take God's word and use it for a certain part of it, and so we're going to talk about Romans 8, 28 to 30, and let me just read it for you, and then we'll jump into it. It's a, uh, stand with me for the reading of God's word. We believe that God's word is active, that the Holy Spirit is working, and so we stand because we want to receive his word. As we read it, to, I'll read it, you can follow along, but we believe that the Spirit wants to work and transform even in the reading of the word. So here we go. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, <clears throat> who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might uh, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified you can have a seat so this is talking about the process of transformation i want to jump into verse 28 here we, we really need to get moving but I want us to see verse 28. This is a great, this verse alone is packed, packed with good stuff for us today. So here we go. There are six words I want us to focus on. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Amen. So let's just, let's, let's move through this, just kind of word by word. It says, and... Let me, anytime a, a verse starts with the word and or, or then or because or therefore, it's pretty important to know what it was talking about before. And so right before this, it's talking about, the, the author is talking about the fact that our present sufferings or circumstances are worth it because of the eternal glory that we will have in Christ Jesus. And so it says, even if you're going through the most difficult times, your suffering today is worth it because one day you'll experience gl the glory of God in eternal life. We talk about that in the church sometimes. We kind of have this view that if we can just get through the difficulty of life, we can experience the glory of eternity. And there's some truth to that. But there's the word and. It says and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So what the author is saying here is, what you're going through, even if you're suffering, is worth it because one day you'll experience his glory and eternal life, but in addition to that, and God is working for your good in the things that are happening. So it's not just you have to get through today to get to the good stuff. Even in your most difficult circumstances, your, your biggest battles physically, your, your biggest broken relationships, the things that you go through, even your biggest sufferings, 
God is working for your good. Somebody should say amen to that. That's good stuff. God is working on your behalf. So it says not only do you put up with this to get to this, it says and God is working for your good. The second thing it says, we know, this is an important word. It doesn't say we think. It doesn't say we hope. It doesn't say maybe. It says and we know that God is working for our good. Listen, I I want you to know this. Beyond just a hope or a thought, we know, Scripture is clear, that God is at work for us in all things if we love him. So it says, we know, we know that in all things God works. So the next words, in all things. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Good, bad, really bad, ugly. There are probably some things in your life that you've dealt with some times where you thought, man, this is not redeemable. Maybe someone's just really hurt you or broken you. Maybe there's something that happened in your life that you just, you're tempted to think, man, there is nothing good that can come of this. It says, and we know that in all things, in the good things, the bad things, God is working for our good. So, so the next word, works. God works for our good. This is, this is something I want to take a moment on because I hear this a lot in the church. We have this idea. Sometimes we read this or we understand this. We would say it like this, that God causes all things for our good. That's not what the scripture says here. It doesn't say that God's making you go through that suffering for your good. It says that God works in all things for your good. There's an important distinction there. There are things that you go through, sufferings, difficulties, where people treat you wrong, physical battles. And sometimes we're tempted to say, well, God is making that happen to me for my good. Listen, that's not what it says. It says no matter what happens to you, God is always working. He can take any situation and make it work for your good. So in all things, God works, now the next word, for the good. Let's have some fun here. Have you ever thought that something would be good for you and it really wasn't? Anybody ever thought something would be good for you and it really wasn't? All right, some of you are not listening. All right, now I know who's listening. Either you're not listening or you're not truthful, I don't know. All right, so let's have some fun here. Friday night, we're in Cancun. It's our last night at the resort. It's all-inclusive, so you can get food brought to you whenever and all that stuff. So, so there's restaurants. You can go to these restaurants. And so Friday night, we went to the Chinese restaurant there, and we got this. They brought out spring rolls. They were really good, really good. I enjoyed them. They were really small. So I ate a couple of them, and I thought, those are really good. And then I had my main course, and then I thought, you know what? Those spring rolls are pretty good. So I said, hey, you want to bring me back another order of those spring rolls? So he brought me some more spring rolls. Well, then, so I was pretty full, but I went back to the room, and, and you know, I hadn't really ordered uh, room service, and so I thought, you know, they have, they have wings, they have buffalo wings on the room service, and they have nachos on there. I thought, I really want to try those out. It would probably be good for me to order a few things from room service. So I'm already stuffed. Listen, I'm not, I, I promise you, I'm not a big overeater. <laughs> I'm not. But, but I ordered these two things and they came and I thought it would be to my good to eat the chicken wings. I want you to know that what we think is for our good is not always for our good. <laughs> 
When summer hit, my kids, the first night, hey, we, we should stay up till midnight. We should watch movies. We'll be fine. And we say, no, 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 that's not good for you to stay up till midnight. A little bit hypocritical because I pretty much stay up till midnight every night, but I'm okay with that. For them, we know as parents that if they stay up till midnight, the next day is going to be pretty miserable. They're going to be tired. They're going to be cranky. They're going to fight. They're going to get in trouble. We, there are things that we think are for our good, and the truth of the matter is they're not. This says we know that in all things God works for the good. I want to make sure and define the word good here well. The word good here is not about having a fancy car. It's not about having the perfect job. It's not about having a nice big house. What we think is for our good may not be what's really for our good. It says, in all things, God is working for your good. See, see, God's not working in all things to give us our earthly desires. He's working for our ultimate good. That's another thing that I see in the church sometimes, is this idea of prosperity gospel. That if I just trust him, I'm gonna, God's going to take care of me. In fact, I've heard sermons where people say, hey, God wants you to have that car. God wants you to have that house. Listen, I don't think God really is too worried about what kind of car you drive. I think God is ultimately worried about your heart. I think God is ultimately worried about your joy and your peace and your wholeness. And what we're going to see in verse 29 is that what God is really, what God is really after is transforming you into his image. So in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So let's, let's take that last part, for those who love him. Listen, I want you to hear this today. God's plan for each and every one of you is to transform you into the image of Christ, to give you his goodness and his wholeness and his peace and his grace but there are these words in here that says, for those who love him. See, you have a choice in the matter. We're going to talk about this in verse 29, because verse 29 is a, a pretty you know, interesting verse. God's will for your life is to transform you into the image of Christ, to holiness. But that's not going to happen if you don't choose to follow him and choose to love him. So it says, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. Now let's jump into 29. This is, a pretty, this is a pretty heavy one. There's a lot of theological debate over verse 29, and I want to be faithful to, to explain it to you the best I can, but I also want to say this. Listen, as, as uh, Christians, as even just as, uh, maybe there's some people in here that, that wouldn't identify themselves as Christians. Listen, I don't ever want you to think that I'm sitting here saying, I have this all figured out. There are mysteries, there are complexities in the Bible that we are meant to study and know, and I, I have my beliefs, but we are to come humbly before God. So verse 29 is interesting. It says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I just want to take a few minutes here and talk about the theological conversation around this, because I don't want to skip over that. It says, for those he foreknew, he predestined. There are some churches that believe 
that, that God, they believe in a thing called um, the election. And, and listen, I think we all believe in election, but maybe believe different things. There are some churches that believe, especially maybe Calvinistic churches, people that follow uh, the teachings of Calvin, that believe that before the beginning of time, God elected some or chose some to be followers of Christ and chose others not to be. That's the idea of election as some people believe it. That's not how we believe it in the church of the Nazarene. We believe that God has chosen all to follow him, but that we have a choice in it. There's the other word in here that's pretty interesting is the word predestined. Predestination's a, a hot topic in theological debate. And predestination is that God has already figured this out, that anything you do was planned by God long before. And so it's really not about what you're doing or you're choosing. It's what he's already chosen for you. So there's, there's two things there, election and predestination. Now, here's what I want to say. It says, for those God foreknew, pretty much across the board, churches agree, no matter what denomination you're in, that God is omnipotent, that he knows all. God knew you before you were ever born. He knows where you're going and what you're going to do. And then it says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined. Here, here's what I want you to hear. We believe that predestination is not that God already has all of your steps and all of the activities of your life planned for you, that it's already happening, that you have no choice in the matter. We believe in a thing called free will, that we have the ability to choose. And so here's what we do believe, that God foreknew all of us, that he knew all of us before we were created, before we ever existed, he knew, and that he chose all of us to follow him. What we believe about predestination is that God's plan for every single one of us is that we would follow him. Not all churches agree on this, but I want you to know what we believe. And, and listen, let me say this. Please hear this. I'm not saying that people that believe different than us are, are wrong or not Christian. There, there's disagreements, but listen, as long as we are putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and living for his glory... We don't have to agree on some of these things. We can disagree, but I want you to know what we believe. And so a few things, a few statements here. Number one, we are saved through the work of God in Jesus Christ. No person in this room came to believe in Christ without God first working in their life. We are not able to choose to believe apart from the work of God. So every person has been called, has been predestined to believe. But when we talk about predestination, that doesn't mean we don't have a choice in it. Uh, and that's the second point is this. God doesn't choose to save us against our will. We have a choice. Just because God's plan for you is to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, just because God's plan for you is holiness, you have a choice. And God will not save you against your will or your choice. So we believe God's plan is that all people would know him, but we have a choice. The third thing I want to make really clear that, that we do not believe is that God, we do not believe that God chose us as the lucky ones and that the people outside the walls of the church, that, that God just doesn't love them or didn't choose them. I don't, I don't see scripture that backs that up. 
In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3 says, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's plan is not to choose some lucky ones and to cast out the others. God's plan is that all would come to know him, but we have a choice. So I ask you, what what were your plans for your life? What were your parents' plans for you? Was it to be an athlete? Was it to be a scholar, to be rich? I want you to know God's plan for you. Before you were ever born, the God of the universe loved you, chose you, and calls you to be conformed, to be transformed into his image. God's plan for your life is to be, for your life to be holy. If you're a follower of Christ and you love him, God's plan is to transform you. There's no way around it in God's word. It's over and over again said that if you believe in Christ, then his plan is to transform you into his image. To be holy, to be sanctified, to be not just a broken, fallen, nasty, having to be saved over and over again, but to be transformed into the image of Christ. That we, the church, as we walk around, we can actually be like Christ. Not that we become God, we are not God, but that we become like Christ and His holiness and his righteousness. And so, this last week I had the opportunity, I had a friend growing up in grade school that lives down in Mexico. He lives right outside of Cancun. And so we we got together one day and we had lunch and he was asking about the church. He said, so tell me what's the difference between your church and other churches? And I I said, well, probably the biggest thing is this idea of holiness. And I started to explain it to him. And he said, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that the people of your church can cannot sin, that they can, they can be holy and that they can be Christ-like? Listen, I not only believe it, I believe it's God's plan for each and every one of us. You are not meant to continue living a life of sin and brokenness and selfishness. You are meant to be transformed into his image. And it's not a one-day thing. It is a, there is the idea of glorification that one day we will be fully conformed. But God's plan for you today is that he wants to transform you and change your heart and make you more like Jesus. We, we talked about this scripture a month and a half ago or so. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So, So here's what I want you to hear today. God's plan, God's calling for you is to be holy, to be transformed into the image of Christ we go back to verse 28, I want you to hear verse 28 again. We know that in all things, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life, in all things, God is working 
for your ultimate good. You know what your ultimate good is? To be transformed into his image. So I want to invite the worship team to come up. And, and I want us to respond to God's word today. Listen, over the next five weeks, I want you to know, and please hear this, these altars are a place of prayer. I know that maybe some of you aren't um, familiar with altars. These are just a place to come and pray. If there's something God's tugging on your heart about, to come and pray. I want you to know that there is never a time when you're, these altars aren't available to you. It could be in the middle of singing. It could be in the middle of my message, whenever. You can come and pray at these altars. But over the next five weeks, I want you to know that God's plan for you is to be holy, to be transformed into the image of Christ. And so there may be some stuff that God wants to deal with you today. Maybe there's some, some stuff in your life that, that isn't holy, isn't right. Today, God wants to transform you. God wants to work for your ultimate good. Maybe some of you today are going through some stuff that's just really heavy, and you just don't even know what to do. You don't know how it can be redeemed. I want you to know, we know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. Listen, God's calling for each and every one of us is that we would become more like Jesus. And that's not a future, one day far off, that's today. So I want you to stand with me. And I wanna pray, and then I wanna invite you to respond to his word. I wanna invite you, if there's something in your life that, that needs to be brought before him, that you would just come and kneel. I wanna invite you, if there's something you're going through that you just, you don't see the redeeming value of it, I want you to know that he's working. I want you to come and lay it before him. I wanna invite you to respond to God's calling on your life to be holy. Father, I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that your spirit would move. And I pray today that you transform us. Help none of us to walk out of this place living in brokenness and pain, but help us to surrender completely to you. So we offer you everything, Lord. We come before you today, and if there's anything that anybody needs to come pray about, Lord, I just pray that you would, you would touch our hearts and help us to surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen, as we sing this song, I wanna invite you to come. If God's speaking to you, come. It's not a thing, it's not a shameful thing. This is a great thing. The God of the universe loves you. The God of the universe has chosen you and has so much more for you. And so if you need to come, if there's something you need to pray about, if there's something you need to let go of, come, respond to him, and let him transform you today.